0: Looks like there's a herd of you. Enjoy yourselves. Behave yourselves. <laughs> Everybody doing good tonight? Well, if you're staying in here with me tonight, it's going to be 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is going to be part two of a message I began last Wednesday night titled God's Workmanship. Tonight on part two, we're going to focus in on keeping the faith. Keeping the faith. It's something the Bible tells us that we're required to do. And the Lord, if you've recognized it lately, I have been talking a lot about faith. And uh, I have made some short YouTube videos on the YouTube channel, about four of them concerning faith. And I talked about it in... Massachusetts this past weekend, and I've been talking a little bit about it along the way here. And tonight, we're going to talk more about it, and this is why. The Lord told me why. He told me that if you don't get faith right, nothing else can be right. Nothing. Not a thing. Nothing can be right if faith is not right. And He gave us, and we'll see it tonight in the Scriptures, He gave us what is required for Him to be able to work in and through us. He's given us His Spirit. Amen? But He's also given us the measure of faith. And we'll see it tonight. But remember the church in Laodicea. And I have to bring these things up often because this is really unheard of in the way the Lord has given us to share it. The church in Laodicea, were not in fellowship with Jesus, although they had His Spirit. If you're saved, you have His Spirit. But they were not in fellowship with Him of whom they had His Spirit. Everybody understand that? Everybody, no, Nobody's confused about that. Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand and knock at the door. That is to the church, to the church of Laodicea. If any man hear my voice, open the door, I'll come in sup with them and them with me. That's to the church. The church has the Spirit of God. But they were not in fellowship with Jesus. It's it's, it's important you understand this. We have His Spirit, but that doesn't mean that we're in fellowship with Him. That's important with where we're going tonight. And upon knowing that, then we can understand a little bit better that although we have the Spirit of God, there's something else God gave us other than the Spirit of God. He gave us the measure of faith. And if we don't exercise the measure of faith, then we have nothing. We have nothing. We do have everything, but we have no experience of anything. Amen. Amen. We don't want to waste our lives. We don't even want to waste a day or an hour. Amen. So let's look first of all here in 2 Timothy 4, verse 7. We'll use this as the springboard scripture if we want to call it that tonight. I have fought a good fight. This is Paul writing his last letter that he would ever write to Timothy. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. I've kept it. I've kept the faith. And before I give you the definition of one of the words there, I want us to go back to the first letter he wrote to Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. And here we see Paul telling Timothy to fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. You do understand that your fight is not against alcohol. Your fight is not against drugs. Your fight is not against that lying thing that tries to Your fight is not against looking at those things maybe when nobody's around that you shouldn't be looking at. Your fight is not against any of that. If your fight's against that, you're going to lose. The fight that you're in is the fight to keep the faith. That's your fight. Because what happens when you keep the faith You're exercising that measure of faith you were given and the victory of Christ because it's His faith. The victory that His faith brings, you're going to experience. This is where the church we've been messed up for so long, so many hundreds and hundreds of years, we would tell the people, man, if you if you got a a a, a, a dipping problem, bring your skull up here and throw it on the altar. Well, the skull and that the bring your bottle up here and throw it on the altar. Get rid of that bottle tonight. It's not the bottle's not the problem. It's the heart. It's the heart. Whatever sin is going on, it's it's coming from somewhere. And no, they didn't make you do it. (laughs) It's coming from somewhere. It's coming out of, the Bible says, our own heart. The book of Proverbs, the Bible says, guard your heart for out of it comes the issues of your life. They might be a problem, but your biggest problem's coming out of your own heart. We can blame the Democrats. We can blame old sleepy whoever. We can blame blame the boss. We can blame it. But the problems I have are coming out of me. And God gave his son on Calvary's cross so that I could put my faith and trust in that and have his spirit. But he also gave me the measure of faith that will be required if his spirit that I have allows me to be in fellowship with Jesus, allows me to run the race that was set before me. I have his spirit, but I have to exercise the measure of faith I was given. God had to give us this measure of faith so he would have something in us that his spirit could work in and through. He can't work without your faith. Andrew told me a couple months ago, maybe a little longer now, he said, Dad, I think that most of the church really thinks that God is doing stuff in their lives, even without their participation, without their faith, that God's just going to do these things. And he says that's so unbiblical, so unbiblical. He gave us the measure of Christ's faith so that he could have something now that would be pleasing to him. It's impossible to please him without faith, so he gave us the measure of Christ's faith so he could have something he could work in and be pleased with and through. So let's look at this again in Second Timothy. Well, let me finish 1 Timothy 6 and 12 because Paul here is telling Timothy something that must be taking place because Paul knew if we're not fighting the good fight of faith, the flesh is dominating. If you're not fighting to keep the faith, then the flesh is going to keep you bound. Faith don't just work. you got to fight to keep it. Everything in this world, even our stinking flesh, is against everything God wants to do but we can live in victory and we can experience all the will of God for our lives. Fight the good fight of faith, comma, lay hold on eternal life. This is what happens when you fight the good fight of faith. It don't happen if you're not fighting the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto you are also called and you have professed a good profession before many witnesses. I personally believe Timothy was struggling. I mean, Timothy's also the one Paul wrote to and said, we've not received a spirit of fear. Timothy need to be encouraged. You, I, we need to be encouraged. We need to be reminded. In this world we live in that's full of things that would cause our hearts to fear beyond control, We have the Word of God to comfort us, the Scriptures to comfort us, the Holy Spirit dwelling inside. Our fellowship can be with our Savior, our husband, praise God, if the measure of faith is being exercised only. Only. It's not automatic. If it was an automatic thing, Paul wouldn't have had to write to Timothy these things because they would have just been automatically happening. They don't. It's a fight. Your Christianity, your salvation, your relationship with Jesus, everything in this world, and let me say it again, even our stinking flesh is pushing against it, wanting you to to, to let that go a little bit and get more in tune with what's really going on. Come on now. That's the world. You're just taking all this cross stuff, all this Jesus stuff, a little too far. Hmm. Let's go back to 2 Timothy where we began, chapter 4, verse 7. Paul here must be close to the end of his life, the end of his ministry. Again, this is the last letter he would ever write, and he wrote it to Timothy. Think about that. Last letter he would ever write, and he wrote it to Timothy. I don't know if he knew it would be the last letter. He might have. He says, I finished my course. He must have knew his course was about the end. But he says, I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Not kept faith, not kept a faith. I have kept the faith. There's only one faith, the Bible says, Ephesians 4 and 5. Because there's only one faith, there's only one object of faith. And the object of that faith came with The first time that you heard. Remember how Paul told the church in Galatia? Did you you receive the Spirit of God by the working of the law or by the hearing of faith? What did we hear? Hearing of faith. What did we hear? Faith. What faith did we hear? We heard of what Jesus did by faith at Calvary. That's what we heard. We heard... The faith. We preach the faith. But, but it's got to be tied to Calvary or it's not the faith. If it's not tied to Calvary, if that's not where the faith is coming from, then it's not biblical faith. People, and people, all of our, oh, we've quoted so much and so many times. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Yeah, it comes by hearing the Word of God, but where does it come from? It comes from Calvary. It comes from Calvary because that's where the faith of Jesus was granted for you to be able to have through his death. No other faith is Bible faith than the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the faith. Paul said, I've kept the faith. Now, I want to define this word tonight like I uh, uh, love to do. I like to look at words and their meanings because it it gives us this magnifying glass uh, and lets us see in a brighter measure maybe, if you will, what we should know. When Paul said, I've kept the faith, this word, kept, to keep the faith. Watch the definition here. And And I do say this all the time and I mean it with all my heart. I hope you'd go home and check behind me just so you could say, the preacher, he still ain't lying to me. He's still not lying to me. Go home and check it out for yourself. But the word kept, when Paul says, I have kept the faith, look at what the word kept means. It means to watch, to guard, to keep the eye on, to detain in custody. You you know what you're guarding? The faith you were given. Adam in the garden failed to keep the garden properly and he lost everything. You've been given the faith, and you're told to keep it. That means tend to it, guard it, watch it, make sure you don't let it go, make sure you don't let it slip away, make sure you're exercising it to say, well, I'm keeping the faith, brother. That don't mean anything. To say it don't mean anything. Keeping the faith means you're watching over what your faith is in. You're guarding your your faith. You're contending for the faith. And it's object because you know, at least you do in this church, you know what happened all those years that you were without your faith being in the cross. Now, I'm going to be sharing some things that you probably have never heard before. And if you can correct me with the Bible, I'm encouraging you to do so because I need all the help I can get. Hallelujah. But I don't anymore believe you can misplace your faith. I don't believe you can misplace your faith. And here's why. Because you have the measure of faith. You were dealt that when you were born again because your heart was yielded to the cross of Christ. You can't take that faith and put it anywhere else. It won't move from there. You say, well, well, then what about all those years I had my faith in the purpose-driven and the government of 12 and the promise keepers and what you say and, and the walk of Emmaus and AA and all, my faith was it? No, it wasn't the faith God gave you. People say, well, I'm sitting in a chair and the chair, that ain't faith. God gave you. God gave you some faith. You're saved by grace through faith and that not of yourselves but the gift of God. You can't take the faith God gave you and put it in anything because it won't go. I'm teaching better than your are amening. You can't take the faith God gave you and put it in something other than the only place it, 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 that it came to you through, which was the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. The faith that we live by in this flesh, Galatians 2.20, is the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. You can't take the faith God gave you and put it anywhere else. You can exercise it, but you can't move it. It's unmovable, Hallelujah. It's unmovable. You don't have to keep it, but you can't move it. You don't have to exercise it, but you can't move it. So when my faith when I'm not trusting in the sacrifice, what is the other? Well Romans 6:16 6, bears what the other is, it's serving the sin nature. It's either exercising my faith, found serving obedience unto righteousness, or I'm serving the sin nature. There's not a third option. There's not three. There's two. I'm serving the sin nature unto death, and the church of Sardis found out what that was all about, and so did the apostle Paul in Romans 7. Amen. So did Brother Curtis. So, and I know it'll take a while to, to change my vocabulary about, you know, uh, don't put your faith in. No, you can't put the faith God gave you in nothing but what it was in when he gave it to you. It ain't moving. You can't take that which is perfect and put it in something that's not. Your faith can only be exercised in the faith from which it comes. The measure of faith is measured out of the faith of the Son of God. Your faith is perfect. It can't fail because it works by love, and love can't fail. And God is love, and God can't fail. Think about it simple. Faith works by love, and love can't fail. What is that? 1 Corinthians 13, 8. Charity, love never never fails. And the faith works by love. Galatians 5, 6. Galatians 5 and 6. Faith works by love. It's the love of Christ. Not our love, but His love. Our faith works by His love in what He did at Calvary. So when we yielded our heart to that truth of Christ the way he did at Calvary, the Lord gave us the measure of faith so that now we have his Spirit, we have the measure of faith, we can walk with the Lord in fellowship with the Lord, we can have victory over the sin nature, we can, we can walk in all the will of God for our lives as long as we will keep guard, watch over the faith. You got to watch it. Because it, it's nothing with, wrong with the faith. I'm the problem. Nothing's wrong with the faith. It's perfect. And I, First time I ever heard that, Pastor Patrick Hatter blurted it out when the platform was still in the corner, and I was sitting right up in here somewhere. It was one of the determined camp meetings, and he said, Your faith is perfect. And everybody just went, Huh? And then he said, well, it's the faith of Christ. His faith is perfect. And the house about blew the roof off. You don't hear that kind of stuff unless you're sitting under the preaching of the cross. You don't hear that kind of revelation. You don't hear that kind of illumination unless you're hearing through the eyes of Calvary's cross. We don't have some faith that works sometimes and don't work other. Every time you exercise your faith, there will be fruit of faith. One of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is faith. If he's working, it's because you're exercising your measure. Amen. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. You know how many times Paul was tempted, tested, tried, beaten and left for dead outside of town. And he, he got up the next day after all that and went back into town and preached again. Man, somebody smiled at us wrong. We ain't coming back to church. Preacher didn't hug me. I'm going to find me a hugging preacher. <laughs> Paul beaten and left for dead. He gets up and goes back in town again and preaches the gospel. The Lord gives us grace to stand in the midst of any storm. But that grace he gives, he only gives when there's a fight to keep the faith. He ain't giving grace where there ain't no exercise of this faith. Don't get sidetracked with this destitute and backslidden church today that think God's going to give you grace without you exercising that measure of faith because he ain't. If I'm not exercising that measure of faith, then it's because there's something going on that's pride in my heart. And he resists the proud. He resists the proud, any proud. I got to fight to keep the faith. That's what the Bible tells me. I got to fight to keep the faith, to watch over this faith, to guard the faith, to keep my eye on what's happening to this faith, what I'm doing with it because situations can happen that will make me take my eyes off what I need to be guarding. All kind of trials and temptations and people problems and all kind of things come along, and you're not careful, you'll take your eyes off this faith that you have been given. And you'll let all this stuff distract you, and you should be just guarding your faith. Just guarding your faith, all the stuff that goes on in our lives with people and families and co-workers and schoolmates and all that. We just got to guard our heart to make sure we're guarding, looking over, contending, watching this measure of faith. We're tending to it because Peter writes this in 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 5. We're kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. We're kept by God's power, but through faith unto salvation. The fruit of God keeping me is the fruit of my salvation. It's the fruit of my salvation. That means Christ's victory. Amen. We receive the faith. That will be required to be exercised if we will experience anything from our God. Anything from our God. People want to know why their lives. Christians, my life is messed up. My life, I, I just don't know why my life. Exercise your faith in the sacrifice. What does that mean? For Listen, for a lost person, that means you got to believe in Jesus and what he did on the cross to forgive you of your sins. And the moment you do, you're given the measure of faith. Now the measure of faith you've been given causes you to realize it's exercising, it's, it's usage is your understanding of your co-crucifixion with Christ. The Bible says you're dead. Colossians 3 and 3. You are dead. You are dead. The Bible says you are dead and hidden with Christ in God. The maturing Christian is the Christian that knows the exercising of their faith is their maturing in their understanding of their assigned and designated place of being dead with Jesus, buried but yet risen. But the risen life, the resurrection life, is based on what you're doing with the death. Because only out of the death of Jesus comes The power. I was thinking about it last night. I read something in O.F.J. Hugel's, one of his books. I think it's Bone of His Bone. It's a good one. He said, and I preached this back in Easter time, Resurrection Sunday time, and he's made the comment that the resurrection was in the death of Jesus. And the death of Jesus is in the resurrection of Jesus. You read that and you're like, what are you talking about, man? (laughs) But if you would have been standing there that day looking at Jesus hanging up on the cross, just the mess that it was. The Bible says he was marred beyond recognition. But if you would have been looking at that death, that's basically all you would have seen. But the way God sees that resurrection, life, and power was in that death. And when he was raised from the dead, it was because he was obedient unto death. And the power of resurrection life is all based on death. So you and I are called to live and we've been given resurrection life and power, but it's to live a crucified life. That's what we're told in the Bible. Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. What is it going to say? Something about this is your reasonable service, which means word reasonable means logos, word, and service means worship. This is your word of worship. This is your word of worship to present your body a living sacrifice. That means we're alive from the dead, but we're living by this resurrection life and power we have through our faith in Christ. And the experience of it is by exercising your faith in the very object that gave it to you. If you try to change the object of your faith other than the death of Jesus, it won't work for you and that's why Christians are messed up. That's why their marriages fail and collapse and don't work is because they don't understand their place of death with Christ. This life is not about me having my way. This life is not about me getting to do everything I want to do with who I want to do it, why I want to do it, how I want to do it, where and when I want to do it. But we think it is. And the proof is, when somebody interrupts my plans, I get irritated. Somebody help me up in here tonight. I ain't the only one. You got this all here old planned out. And you get a phone call and you're like, you just ruined my day. (laughs) And I understand those things, you know. But at every moment of your life, the Holy Spirit is delivering you unto death. 2 Corinthians 4.11, it tells you that in plain English right in your Bible. The Holy Spirit always delivers us who are alive unto death for Jesus' sake. What's that mean? So that his death on the cross won't have been in vain. So that, And it goes on to say, so that the life of Jesus might be manifest in these mortal bodies. Your faith is a perfect faith. It can't fail. You can fail to keep it, and when you do, don't be blaming them when you get yourself in a mess. I'm talking to myself tonight now. Amen. Let's look at some of these. Romans 12 and 3, so you can see it in the Bible. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Paul writes to the church there in Rome, and chapter 12, verse 3, he says, For I say through the grace given unto me, not, or he says, to every man that is among you, Not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. What does that mean? According to. What did God deal us the measure of faith according to? According to what his son did at Calvary. And get this now, I hope you see this in your Bibles. I hope you have this highlighted in your Bibles. God has dealt, to, he's given every Christian the measure of faith. You have everything you need. You've been given Christ on Calvary's tree. He's resurrected from the dead. You have His Spirit. You have the measure of faith so that by His Spirit through that measure of faith you can be in communion and fellowship with your Lord and Savior and the will of God can be carried out in your life. But you must exercise the faith. That is keeping the faith, is exercising the faith in the sacrifice, hallelujah, We're learning things now that we would have never learned had we just kept going the way we were going. If we, if we, if you, listen, if you ever stop hearing the word in the context of Calvary, you will no longer be given more hearing to hear. Jesus taught if you have hearing, and because of what the Bible teaches, we know it's the hearing of faith, you must have the hearing of faith if He's going to give you more hearing of faith. That's what the Bible teaches. And again, if you ever have any questions, make sure you, after church, you, have, you write them down and let's talk about it. Don't leave here saying, well, I, I thought or "Well, I didn't know or I don't know about that. Or, well, make sure you write these things down. Don't leave here scratching your head. The only faith that can be added to based on the book of Galatians is the hearing of faith which in the book of Galatians chapter 3 is related to the sacrifice and obeying the truth. It's related to that. It's not related to anything else. That's what gave them the Holy Spirit. That's what allowed the Lord after they had the Holy Spirit to work miracles among them. The hearing of faith, the message of the cross. That's the only place you can exercise. Your your faith is not to be exercised in healing or in a spouse or in a better job. It won't work. You can ask God for a spouse, for a better job, but there's only one place for your faith to be exercised and that's in the place that allowed God to give it to you. In the death of Jesus. How do I know that? Because God is always delivering you unto death. 2 Corinthians 4.11, please don't let that Bible verse right there get away from your life right now. 2 Corinthians 4.11, the Bible says, God always, that means always, delivers us who are alive, we're alive in Christ. He delivers us who are alive always unto death for Jesus' sake. Why? One of the reasons is, uh, this is powerful, one of the reasons is it's the only place your faith will work. Number two, it's the only place you can be looking and be made conformable unto. Second Corinthians 3:18. It's powerful. It keeps me up at night, Hallelujah. It's wonderful, it's beautiful. Truth stirs the heart. Truth wants a heart that's walking in truth wants more. A heart that's walking in truth through the exercising of faith wants more. And the promise is that more will be given. More what? More hearing of faith. More hearing of faith. So here it says that the only avenue that God has given us to be able to think soberly, which he describes here, is not thinking more highly of myself than I ought to, is the measure of faith that he dealt to me when I believed in Christ and what he did at Calvary. If I'm exercising my faith in the sacrifice of Christ, I'm not going to think of myself more highly than I ought to be. You've heard me teach it. It's in the Bible. While you're making your calling and election sure, you won't stumble. While you're walking in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. These things are all tied to the exercising of my faith and my trust, my dependence in the death of Jesus and my position, my designated and assigned place by God with Jesus in his death. It's my designated place for this journey. I am crucified with him. Yet I live, but wait a minute, it's not me. It's Christ now living in me. And the life I live now, I live by the faith. Everybody say the faith. The faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You try to move your faith from that, and the church is full of it. Full of it. Full of it. Faith in this, faith in that. The Bible is full of promises, but they're all, the Bible says, yes and amen, in Christ Jesus. You say, well, I'm in Christ Jesus. I'm where all the promises are. So was the church of Laodicea. So was the church of Sardis that Jesus, through John, told them they were dead. You have a name that you're alive, but you're dead. This is all in the third chapter of Revelation. Move on down, 19 verses, and he tells the church of Laodicea, listen, I'm trying to get back in fellowship with you. I'm not even in fellowship with you. Think about that. So the only problem that causes all of that is not exercising the faith we were given in the very object that allowed God to give it to us. There's not two objects of faith. If you need a better job, if you need a spouse, thank God for the blood. Depend upon Jesus. Depend upon, you can't depend upon him except your heart be trusting in what he did at Calvary. I'm not trusting the Lord because I tell him I am. I'm trusting the Lord. When he sees my heart, he is. Yielded to him. I died with Jesus. I'm dead. Hallelujah. God might have a spouse for me. He might have a better job. He's a blessing. God, he'll bless you. Amen, he'll bless you. But you got to exercise your measure, measure of faith. It's to be exercised. That's keeping. That's fighting to keep the faith. Not fighting for a better job. Fighting for a promotion. No, that's trusting. God wants me to have promotion. He'll promote me. I ain't got to go talking about Joe to everybody in the warehouse to try to get everybody putting Joe down so I'll get exalted to another position. God, the Bible says, he is the one who promotes. Promotion is of the Lord. When I try to promote myself, that's pride. And whether I realize it or not, God is resisting me. If there's one thing I don't want resisting me, it's God. I don't like it when my wife resists me. But I don't like it when God's resisting me. But he'll never never resist you while you're exercising your faith. You say, well, what does this look like, exercising my faith? It's all a matter of the heart. We're We're no longer thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to. I don't have to have the last word. I don't have to curse to make people know I'm serious, bless God. I don't, I, listen, it don't matter if you even know I'm on the earth or not. Sometimes I just want to put a milk crate over my head and preach. Don't matter what we look like. To people it does. Well, I ain't listening to him. He's wearing jeans tonight. There's people said they can't listen to me because I sound like a hick. Boy, I can't help that. <laughs> People after the truth don't care if it's coming out of a donkey or a hick from northeast Texas. Hmm. Okay. There's a lot to be entertained here in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, but I'm going to have to let you go home and do it on your own. But I do want to give you one more scripture before I close tonight, and that's 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. I talked a little bit about this up in Brockton this weekend. And we, had, we had precious meetings. We had great, great meetings. The, the, the word of the truth of the gospel was accepted. I mean, it rained up there. And although it rained every day I was there from the sky, it also rained in the meetings. And so just be praying for that region up there. They, they, there's nowhere up there like this. Not that, not that even the people that live up there say there's nowhere up here like this that's preaching this. I told you before the reason I was able to go up there is because last April in Naples, Florida, One of the ladies in Brockton, her brother pastors a church in Naples, Mahari Warfield, Mike's brother. And when I was there ministering for their one-year anniversary, church anniversary this last April, some of those people from Brockton, Massachusetts, were there. And they heard this focus of the cross, and it lit their fire. Let me tell you something. If you're saved, there's a kindling fire in you. It may not be anything because you you, you don't know anything about exercising your faith. And don't give me this, well, you don't have to know these things. Yes, you do. If you're a Christian, if you got saved, even if that little old fire ain't no more than that little old kindle right there, it's in there. And when you hear the truth of the gospel and you receive that, you know that's right, that fire jumps up. See, the Bible says in Hebrews twelve twenty nine that our God is a consuming fire. If there's a fire burning in us, it's Him. And He burns brighter if we'll exercise, guard, keep, watch over, contend for that measure of faith we've received. That fire will burn. In spite of the heartbreak that we have to go through in the days ahead, my Lord, we're going to go through some stuff. But when the dust settles every time, wherever we are, we'll still be talking about what we're talking about right now. We're not talking about Brother Curtis. We're not talking about... We're talking about Jesus and the gospel, the power. That's what we're going to talk about. People get tired of it. They don't want to endure sound doctrine. There's a thousand reasons you can write down, but at the end of the day, it's because they're not enduring sound doctrine. And we're only as sound as our doctrine. 2 Peter 1 and 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have, what's the next word? Obtained. That means there's something we obtained that we didn't have. To them that have obtained like precious faith. With us, Peter says, with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, I did a little series I told you earlier. I did four sessions on the YouTube channel of about 15 to 18 long. They're very short. I think the first one was called One Faith. The second one was called One Avenue of Faith or One Object of Faith, I think. And then the third one was One Avenue. This is the avenue. Faith only comes through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So when faith comes by hearing, it mu- this ain't t- listen, let me say it in Texas language, this ain't talking about just your born-again experience. If faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God, it must come through the righteousness of God's Word. You know how I know? it tells me right here. And it also tells me in Romans 1.18 that if I'm holding the truth outside of its righteous context, then the wrath of God will be revealed from heaven against the fruit of that ungodliness and unrighteousness. So when I'm holding God's word outside of the focus of Calvary, because righteousness ain't about nothing else but Jesus and what he did there. That's where it was declared from. That's where it was worked, declared from, and offered to all who will believe. And he that knew no sin became our sin-bearing offering that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Only through the cross. So when I open God's Word and I don't preach and teach in the context of the gospel, then the righteousness of God cannot be revealed. You know that's what your Bible says? One of the most profound scriptures the Lord has given this ministry over the last five or six years, Brother Don will stand up and shout about it, is Proverbs chapter 8, verse 8. All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. Where are they? Where is every word of God? In righteousness. And Romans 1, 16 and 17 says that His righteousness is revealed in the gospel. So every word must be in its righteous context if faith is to come through righteousness and our Savior, Jesus Christ. He's specifying there the cross. So I wanted to show you that as I close tonight, 2 Peter 1 and 1, that we obtained this like precious faith, this measure that God dealt to us when our hearts, Romans 10 and 10, believed unto righteousness and the mouth confessed unto salvation. Our hearts believed unto righteousness. Paul called that, in another place, the hearing of faith. In another place, he called it obeying that form of doctrine. See, there's several phrases for a heart that just collapses at the truth of Calvary and accepts that as its own truth, its own saving truth full of grace and mercy. And you've been given the measure of faith that you might operate that, exercise that, keep it, watch it, guard it. Don't ever let it slip away from its object of the cross, the death of Jesus. And while you're fighting to keep the faith, you're fighting to keep the faith, not to tell folk you got the faith, to keep it in its object that's fighting to keep the faith in its object, then you, your life is going to change beyond what you ever could have dreamed. But it's not you changing you, it's the Holy Spirit changing you. Doors opening for you that would have never opened unless you allowed God to bring you into this great truth of His sacrifice. It's something you entered into. And as long as you exercise your faith in that, then you will continue in that. In that. And you won't get carried off into all these things that seem to be right. But you'll know they're not. See, that's what deceit is. It's something that looks right, but it's not. It's one thing to know the difference between right and wrong. It's another thing to know the difference between good and evil. Only the growing, maturing Christian, and that's, that, that can be, if you just got saved yesterday, you can be in that process. If you've been saved 60 years, you can be in that process. But you must be found by God exercising that faith you have been given in the the place where it was allowed God to give it to you. If it's not in the death of Jesus, you're working hard for stuff without God's help. It's not faith. Bible says in 1 John 5, 4, our faith overcomes the world. You know why? Because we've been crucified to it and it to us. Amen? We've been crucified to the world and the world to us. That's why God says, don't be boasting in nothing but the cross. God forbid we boast in anything but the cross because it's the only place faith works. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Would you stand with me tonight here in this Holy Ghost-filled, gospel-centered house? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise be to the God above. He's been good to us. My goodness, he's been good to us. It's overwhelming how good he's been to us. It's beyond what our minds can really fathom how good he's been to us. But you I was thinking today about being married to Jesus and how you know a man and a woman, they a husband and a wife, they. They can sit and they can just gaze upon each other and and just be so thankful for the partner, so thankful and just uh, looking at the beauty of the wife and she looking at the man and just being so grateful for 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 having one another. And I was thinking about that in in terms of me being married to Jesus today, and I. And I thought I could look upon him and see the beauty of God's love and God having sent him here to to pay the price to be able to receive a a wife, a bride for himself. And and when I look at him, I see the beauty of God's righteousness and holiness. My husband, Jesus, he he is this the beauty of God's righteousness and holiness, the love that the Father has for me through his Son. But I wondered, what what does he look at when he sees me? Because there is a husband who looks at their bride and says, How beautiful you are. And I believe Jesus looks at us and he says, How beautiful you are. How precious is the Father's love to have given me this bride, the bride of Christ. How precious is the love of God. Christ looks at us and he doesn't see all our imperfections, he sees The love of the Father that's been bestowed in our hearts because of what He did at Calvary. He sees the beauty of who the Father is in the bride. We have been cloaked with the very cloak of righteousness. It's Christ's righteousness. It's our husband's robe. He cloaked us. Amen. He loves us. We're married to Him. Bible says so we can bear fruit of Him. Amen. If you need prayer tonight, I want to invite you to these altars. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. That's not a deep reality, but it is true. God's mercies are new every day, so yesterday really means absolutely nothing to God. Nothing. Aren't you thankful that He'll never point back behind you and say there's so much I'd love to do for you Curtis but I just can't do it because you've messed up for so long you you might hear the devil say that but you won't hear God every moment not day every moment of your life is a brand new opportunity brand new God forgives God forgets he's not like the community God doesn't know us and look at us based on our worst mistake the community, well, he was a mess. He's always a mess. No, God doesn't look at us that way. The community may write you off and say they're worthless. You can't trust them. But I'm telling you, God don't do that. you have been given right now in this moment. Every moment you're breathing, you have a brand new potential to be in fellowship with Christ, to... Get back in the will of God if you've been out of it to be more faithful if you hadn't been faithful, more determined to keep this faith, to fight to keep this faith than ever before. You want things turned around in certain areas of your life? Exercise that measure of faith. Tell the Lord. Just tell Him. You'd be amazed at what telling Him. Lord, I'm trusting in what you did in your Son at Calvary. This life's not about me. This life's not about me having my way. This life's not about me climbing up and being somebody. This life is only about me representing the one you gave for me. You'd be amazed. I remember I had no hope for ministry, and I simply just told the Lord, I believe the cross is the answer. Well, he saw my heart. I believed it. I wasn't just mouth. He saw it. I'd heard it. I'd been listening to it. I'd been pushing it aside. But there came a moment I said, Lord, I believe it. And as soon as I said that, not because I said it, but because my heart was believing it, hope rose up in me. Hope came alive in me. You see, you've been given a lively hope, but that don't mean you're experiencing the liveliness of it. When you exercise that faith in its only object, that, faith, that hope is gonna come alive. It's gonna come alive. And you instead of walking around saying, oh, I can't, I can't do that, you're gonna start saying, You know what? I believe the Bible, I can do all things through Christ who's gonna strengthen me. Amen. Father, we thank you tonight for your words of life, light, and liberty. Encouraging us, showing us the way, reminding us. And if you're going to have a part to play in our lives, in our experience, it's only going to be by faith. Not just any old faith. Not just in any old thing. But that measure of faith you gave us to be exercised in its only object. That object that allowed you to save us and to give that measure to us. Measure of Christ faith. Oh, a perfect faith that cannot fail. And I thank you for this word tonight. I've been encouraged by you, my Lord. I thank you for this truth that I don't have to work hard for anything. I just simply fight the good fight of faith because you already worked for it all paid for it with a perfect sacrifice it already belongs to me and I thank you for showing me all I have to do is believe it by exercising my faith in nothing but the death of your son and I thank you tonight hallelujah can we lift our hands just for a minute tonight and thank the Lord for his goodness thank him for the truth of the gospel thank him for the focus that comes with looking to Calvary's Christ oh thank him tonight for all that he's done all that he's doing all that He's going to do that we don't even know about yet. But we know it's going to be good because all things are working together for our good. Hallelujah. Oh, Thank you, precious Jesus. Hallelujah to the Lamb. We bless your name tonight, Lord. We bless your name tonight. We thank you, Lord, for giving giving us this overcoming faith. Overcoming faith. Hallelujah. Oh, bless Jesus in this house tonight. Glorious Lord. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Lead us in this great truth. Girl, lift my eyes to oh, yes, forever lift our eyes there. Thank you, Lord. How marvelous. Oh, how marvelous. This grace that caught my fall. Oh, yes. He looked beyond all my faults. Thank you, Lord. All my knees. All my knees. Glory be to God show Somebody say, I love Jesus. Oh, hallelujah to the Lamb. I hope you leave this place with joy filling your hearts tonight with a great expectation of what the Lord's going to do in and through your lives in the days ahead. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I'll see you Sunday morning at 10 a.m.